Well, how are you, streakers? Hopefully having a fantastic, wonderful, amazing, consistent day, week, month, and year. That's what it's all about in streaking is getting consistent with those things that matter most. I'm Jeff Downs. I'm your host for today's streaking podcast. My fantastic co-host is off the way. She is visiting our daughter and her husband who just had a brand new baby. So we're excited about that. I have the opportunity today to talk to you about a particular article. I get uh, articles that get sent to me via LinkedIn or other sources, and every once in a while, one catches my eye that I will highlight on the Streaking Podcast. This one, is the title of it is, Is This It? Question mark. On the Disappointment of Success. That's what we're going to be talking about today. I'm looking forward to talking with you about it. So, without further ado, let's get streaking. What is streaking and why should you do it? Streaking is how you set up personal winning streaks. Look at who you want to be and what you need to do to become that person. This is streaking. I'm Jeff. And I'm Jamie. And we are streakers. Through 30 years of marriage and seven children, we have learned the power of consecutive consistency or streaking. To start streaking is simple. You just follow these three laws. Make it laughably simple. Keep a record and join the streaking community. Streaking is your hidden superpower. With it, you will consistently progress and grow in whatever area of life you want. In this podcast, Jeff and I will share all the fun, exciting, serious, solemn, wonderful parts of family, spiritual, professional, and personal life, and how streaking powers it all. So join us in the conversation, join the movement, and start streaking today. The article today, as I mentioned, is written by Greg Vanarek. And I get articles from him every once in a while via LinkedIn. He writes some great articles. Someone that if you uh, want to get some good leadership articles or just even articles to cause a lot of thought, he does a great job with this. In fact, I invited him to be on the Streaking Podcast and he is going to join us next month. And I'm looking forward to talking with him a little bit further. The article that he wrote here, Is This It on the Disappointment of Success, caught my eye because one of the things that we often talk about is the idea of input-focused versus outcome or achievement focus. And I thought that he might deal with this in this particular article. I'm actually going to read this article because there are so many good nuggets in here. Now, there's going to be points in this article where I'll stop and comment just a little bit because there are salient points that come in in regards to how you decide to put the inputs into your life and why that is the more critical component of life. As far as finding the joy and the happiness in life, it comes in the inputs. So without further ado, let's get reading. This is Greg Vanaruk. Is this it? On the disappointment of success. Four, so long we've wished for it, worked hard for it, suffered for it, our dream. We clawed and climbed for it, sacrificed for it. One day, after all the trials and tribulations, we're finally there. The treasure chest of our dreams is before us. We almost can't believe it. We pause, relishing the moment, and then open it. What we find is astonishing. It's empty. Empty? Empty? How can that possibly be? But it is. The treasure chest is empty. What we've encountered is the arrival fallacy. The assumption that once we accomplish a major goal, we'll get lasting happiness or satisfaction. It's 
a lie. We see it all around us. We see it in former athletes. Think of, for example, Michael Phelps, the most decorated Olympic athlete of all time with an astonishing 28 medals, 23 of them gold. He was World Swimmer of the Year eight times and broke 29 individual world records. He's considered the greatest swimmer of all time and perhaps one of the greatest athletes of all time. After all that, he found himself in a depression after retiring from swimming and revealed that he had contemplated suicide. Is this it? Think of Tom Brady. He won seven Super Bowl championships and was the most valuable valuable player of the Super Bowl five times when somebody asked him during his storied career which Super Bowl ring is his favorite. Brady replied, the next one. Here's Brady talking with journalist Steve Croft. Brady. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think, oh, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. And what else is there for me? Croft, what's the answer? Brady, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. We see it in our accomplishments like a promotion or raise. We've been working so hard and we believe those achievements will transform our lives for the better. Yet we're disappointed when we see that the reality is often far different from our expectations. After a lifetime of trying, I finally had a book hit number one on the New York Times bestseller list. It made me really happy for about 10 minutes. A quote from an unknown author. We see it in retirees. After looking forward to finally enjoying life, after putting so much time into their work, many recent retirees hit the golf course or the beach and wonder, is this it? According to researchers, the prevalence of depression among retirees is substantially higher than that of the overall older adult population. We see it in former executives. Hubert Jolly had a remarkable success early in his business career. After making partner at McKinsey & Company by age 30, he led EDS France, turned around Vivendi's video games divisions, and became CEO of Carlson Wagonlit Travel. He felt that he had reached the top of the mountain. Unfortunately, it didn't live up to the hype. First, it came with all sorts of new problems and hassles. And second, it felt empty. Quote, the mountaintop felt desolate. The idea of success I had been chasing turned out to be hollow, and I felt disillusioned and empty. Hubert Jolly is the one who said that, former chairman and CEO of Best Buy. We see it everywhere. We see it in parents whose children have left the home, in retired military personnel. We even see it in kings. Take the example of Abdah al-Rahman III, the emir and caliph of Cordoba in southern Spain in the 10th century. Around age 70, he was reflecting on life of a remarkable worldly success. Quote, I have now regained above, reigned above 50 years in victory or peace, beloved by my subjects, dreaded by my enemies, and respected by my allies. He thought about his incredible riches and all his honors, including the power and pleasure that waited on his call as he described it. What did it, all of it add up to? Quote, I have diligently numbered the days of pure and genuine happiness which have fallen to my lot. They amount to 14. 
Is this it? 14 days of happiness from 50 years of living in the best of circumstances? Alas, getting what we want can be unsatisfying or even disappointing. It can feel like less than we imagined, not as earth-shattering as we had hoped. Why? What's going on? Things are good, but we feel surprisingly empty. We wonder why we're not happy and fulfilled. Maybe we lack motivation or enthusiasm for things. We feel purposeless. Maybe we lack energy or we've lost interest in activities that we once found engaging. There are a number of factors at work here. Given our biological makeup, we have an urge to keep pursuing more, lest we run out of food and shelter, and an inability to maintain any strong emotional state. We have a strong wanting drive that's deeply baked into our nature. A big part of what's going on here is the frustrating but very real phenomena of hedonic adaptation, also called the hedonic treadmill, in which we become rapidly accustomed to changes in our circumstances and then settle into that new baseline as if nothing had occurred. We're wired biologically to return to homeostasis. Whenever we experience change, our mind and body work hard to re-equilibrate. Re- this one's going to be just a second. Work hard to re-equilibrate. So we return to the baseline. It's the way we're wired, and still we wonder: Is this it? Our brain is working against us. I'm going to break from transcript or from the article here for just a second. You and I, we've talked about this as far as the inputs are concerned. Our brain is wants to conserve energy. It's wired to do things in a way that is different than what gives us true joy and happiness. So back to the article, quote, When we're working towards something, our brain releases dopamine, a neurotransmitter associated with pleasure, motivation, and learning in anticipation of the reward of achieving it. We get dopamine hits as we make progress toward the goal. What happens when we achieve our goal? Those dopamine hits fall away. Ouch! The result? We bounce from goal to goal in an endless pursuit of those hits, almost like chasing our tail. When we reach the top, we may stop learning, growing, and challenging ourselves. That's the recipe for stasis and complacency. We also need a variety to keep things interesting. On our way to the top, we may have neglected important relationships in our lives. That Faustian bargain may come back to haunt us. After we've accomplished a goal, we can lose our sense of identity and purpose. We have to reorient our focus towards something new and perhaps redirect how we perceive ourselves. Not easy. Sometimes the reality we experience at the top is a far cry from the dream we had. Sure, there are likely to be perks of that promotion and raise, but there are also more, also likely to be new hassles, longer hours, more responsibilities, more cutthroat politics. Often there are contributing factors that compound the problem of disappointment. Here are some of the examples of common traps we fall into that make things worse. If we're exerting all that effort to please our parents or impress our neighbor or boss, it's no wonder we find ourselves less than fulfilled at the end of it when we're going for other people's goals. When we're falling into the exceptions trap, 
when there's a gap between our current versus expected life satisfaction, and when we become attached to our expectations, we feel disappointment, even though our life may be going well, engaging in unfair and unhelpful comparisons. Many of us fall into the comparison trap fairly often, comparing ourselves to others on things that tend to be fairly superficial. Even worse, we tend to compare ourselves to unrealistic standards, the most outwardly successful or beautiful. It's a recipe for disappointment. Believing the common myths about happiness and success. For example, the trap of believing that happiness comes from improving our circumstances. We'll be happy when we're successful. We'll be happy when we have certain things. Happiness is a destination. Success is the point of life. We can measure success in dollars, possessions, and other things that bring us status and attention. Never feeling successful enough. We can always do more. There's always more to chase. Back to the hedonic treadmill. Drifting away from ourselves in the pursuit of success. We see the disconnection between who we really are and what we're doing, and we feel it. Drifting away from our family and friends in the single-minded pursuit of, of our success. Meanwhile, it's precisely those relationships that lead to the most enduring happiness and lasting satisfaction. We've been sabotaging them on our way to the top. So what do we do about it? Though we're wired this way, that doesn't mean we're helpless against this phenomena and resigned to disappointment. Here are 15 things we can do to address it. Number one, learn to value the process and the journey instead of fixating on the end result. Focusing only on the end result makes little sense. Are we supposed to endure four years of high school or college just so we can enjoy a two-hour ceremony? Suffer through months of training only so we can enjoy the instant it takes to cross the finish line? Two, diversify our sources of happiness. Make sure we have several irons in the fire when it comes to the things that motivate us and bring us enjoyment. That way, when we've achieved a goal, we're less likely to be experienced that drop-off of happiness and motivation because we have other things that enrich our lives. Three, make plans for what will follow our major initiatives. Again, that will help us to have something to look forward to. Otherwise, we may be destined to fall off the satisfaction cliff. Four, Mind the experience for learnings. Instead of expecting to be lastingly happy from accomplishing something, review the experience for learning and growth. Think about what we liked about the experience and what we didn't. This will help us extract nuggets that we can apply as we redirect our focus toward other activities and new goals. Five, recenter. Sometimes when we're in hot pursuit of a goal, we can lose ourselves in all that hustle. We become the single-minded, obsessed goal achiever and let other important parts of our life suffer or fall away. Now's a good time to recenter and come back to the fullness of living whole. Six, rediscover purpose. Sometimes when, we, when we're pursuing a goal, we lose sight of our deeper why, our purpose. Our goal pursuit is about ego, prestige, status, or vanity instead of about something bigger than ourselves, like connection, service, or spirituality. Give back. Number seven, if we're caught up in disappointment about the lack of lasting happiness after a big accomplishment, it's a sign that we're too focused on ourselves, 
change the focus to helping others, for example, ask the following, what did we learn along the way that we can share with others or how can we teach it or otherwise give back to make the accomplishment even more meaningful and impactful? German-American psychoanalyst Eric Erickson coined the term generativity, generativity and described it as a stage in our psychosocial development characterized by, quote, a concern for establishing and guiding the next generation. The idea is that as we get older, we start focusing less on ourselves and more on nurturing and guiding young people as well as fostering the success of future generations. It resonates with what Swedish geron gerontologist Lars Torenstam called gerotranscendency, which is a shift in our understanding of ourselves and our role in things as we age from a materialistic view of the world to a more transcendent one with enhanced feelings of connection with past generations and lower interest in superficial social interactions. Number eight, learn to savor life now. This means noticing what's going on around us and fully feeling positive emotions. In the process, we extend them and help encode them in our memory banks. Number nine, realize that we never really arrive while we're living. Living isn't about reaching some metaphorical finish line. Do we really believe that life is a race? Living isn't about reaching some chosen level of success. Do we really believe that success is the point of life? 10. Reinvest in learning and growing. Take a course, read books, listen to podcasts, watch TED Talks, learn a new skill or language, adopt a creative practice such as painting or poetry. Number 11. Establish a spiritual practice, ideally daily. Engage in prayer, worship, contemplation, meditation, or yoga. 12. Cultivate a gratitude practice. Return regularly to the things we have and to the things we're thankful for. Be grateful for all we have is much wiser than expecting achievements to keep us continually satisfied. 13. Craft our work and leisure activities to facilitate flow states. When in flow, we're so absorbed in something that we lose track of time. In such a state of optimal experience, dissatisfaction is impossible. 14. Build more of our strengths and passions into our life and work. Figure out what we're good at, our strengths, and what we love, our passions, and creatively bake them into the fabric of our days. 15. Focus on every day progress toward an ever-renewing set of meaningful goals and worthy activities. That's wiser than placing all of our hopes on one big attainment. As always, we're wise to seek professional help from a coach, mentor, or therapist if we feel stuck in a rut or caught in a loop of dissatisfaction. Conclusion, here it is. Some may conclude from contemplating the arrival fallacy that there's no point in setting and pursuing goals. While understandable, that's a mistake. We should continue setting and pursuing goals, but changing our focus from a fixation on goal achievement to enjoying and mastering the process along the way. We can change the focus from winning or achieving to who we become in the process. Now I'm going to pause right here in the transcript or in the article. One of the things that I've noticed as I've been on my streaking journey for the last eight years is that the process of and the desire to set goals has almost gone completely away. And I have not stopped achieving 
or striving to achieve growth, learning, understanding, and being in all of these different areas that Greg talks about here. I th- what happens here is goals is the only word that we know. And goal, when properly defined, is, an, is a start line, finish line, and deadline. What a streak is, is all about becoming who you want to be. And along the way, there may be one or two goals that you pursue. However, what I would suggest to you and what I would recommend is that you go after who you want to become through daily, weekly, and monthly streaks. The streak takes all of what Greg is saying here and puts it in the right perspective. In other words, the accomplishment, the achievement, the outcome no longer becomes the focus. And therefore, the dopamine that you get from those, that addictive cycle goes away because that addictive cycle, when it goes up and you get that dopamine hit, it falls right back down and you have to search the next goal and the next one is harder and harder and harder. Whereas if you have a streak to read at least one paragraph in a book every single day, to run or walk at least one mile every day, to break a sweat at least one time every day. All of these areas, and you noticed I had an intellectual one, intellectual streak in there, and also a physical, a couple physical streaks, but you could have the spiritual streaks that he talks about, spirituality. All of these things, the streak is what sustains you. It's what gives you the joy in life. It gives you the moment, the day, the present moment that you get to enjoy. This is So this is where I'm going to substitute in his article here the word goals with streak. And notice how this changes, okay? So I'm going to go back to the conclusion, and this is what he writes for the conclusion. Some may conclude from contemplating the arrival fallacy that there's no point in setting and pursuing, I'm going to use goals here, while understandable, while understandable and I guess I'm going to modify this a little bit. It says, that the arrival fallacy that there's no point in setting and pursuing goals. I think more so what it is, is to be outcome and achievement focused is what we're not trying to do. It's not a, I don't set goals and that's not a mistake. This is where I, I'm going to substitute the word streak. We should continue setting and pursuing streaks, which change our focus from a fixation on an outcome or an achievement to enjoying and mastering who you want to be along the way. We change the focus from winning to achieving to who we become in the process of streaking. Indeed, streaking can be energizing, fun, and fulfilling. In fact, I would say it's not, it it not can be, it is. Streaking is energizing, fun, and fulfilling. We enjoy the process of learning, growing, and discovering on how to address and how to address challenges along the way. Lasting, sustainable happiness is about good living day in and day out, teed up by intentional choices about what matters, not about achieving certain levels of success. In the end, we stop chasing. When we start streaking, we stop chasing things like happiness, success, wealth, beauty, fame, power, prestige, comfort, and pleasure. Each one of these has their merit of course, but they're destined to disappoint in the final analysis. So instead, 
Focus on living a good life, on intentionally crafting a life we love that fits our nature, a life of health, connection, and service, on crafting a life of purpose, learning, growth, integrity, and wisdom, a life and a savoring, a, and a life in which we work to make things better with and for each other. So back to the treasure chest. Maybe we're looking for the treasure in the wrong place. The treasure is with us all along. But we're focused on the prize at the end that we missed what was before us. That is the power of a streak. It's one of the reasons why I continue to talk about it and why Jamie and I, when we're together, talk with whomever will hear it is because it's all about the inputs. It's about enjoying the journey on the way. It's when I go through the day, I am focusing on what are the streaks that I'm completing every day because it's intentional and it's deliberate. When you go back up to the 15 things that Greg here, and by the way, great article. Thank you, Greg, so much for sending it out and for everything that you offer in here because it is everything that I absolutely believe and when you look at all these 15 things, as far as valuing the process and the journey instead of fixating on the result, that's a streak. I'm valuing what's right now. Diversifying our sources of happiness. A streak and streaking is about all areas of your life. When I go down through my streaking folders and I see what I have in here and I do a streak audit every once in a while and I want to see what it is that I have in each area of life, I can see all of the areas that produce the whole person. You know, uh, one, being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Two, loving and loyal husband. Three, active and involved father. Four, kind and caring friend. Five, continuous learner. Six, leader, teacher, and writer. Seven, healthy diet. Eight, physically fit. Nine, to grow streaking out there. And 10, my current profession, Franklin Covey leader. All of those things are the roundness of the person. There's a spiritual, physical, personal, intellectual. All of those things are in there. Diversifying sources of happiness. Make plans for what will follow our major initiatives. Streaking, honestly, as I go through this, helps me to plan for the future so that I can incorporate those things in. Mind the experience of learnings. Oh my goodness. I I could go on and on. Recentering helps me to look at what it is I need to do on a daily basis. Rediscover purpose. Give back. All of these things can be done in the context of the actualization of streaking. So that's one thing I want to point out. I won't go back through all 14. But one of the things that I wanted to point out is that streaking is the basis by which or the framework by which you operationalize all of these things. So Greg gives fantastic, wonderful advice based in true principles. And then what you do and what I do is take and translate it into a daily activity, weekly or monthly. I'm going to pause just right here for a second. The reason I always say daily, weekly, monthly is a daily streak is something I'm going to do every day. A weekly streak is I'm going to do an activity either one time a week or six times a week. It's the activity because there's sometimes like a work week streak. I'm going to do that activity five times in the week. And therefore, it's a weekly streak. It's consistent, it's consecutive, and it's in the week. 
there are, and then there's monthly streaks. I'm going to do something two or three times a month or maybe even just once a month. All of those, you can you put them all into a streak. A streak does have a time, it is time bound. A daily streak, you complete it in a 24-hour period of time. A weekly streak, you complete the number of activities in that week. A monthly streak, you complete the activities in that month. Does that make sense? And that's important because you need that deadline. Deadlines make the world go round in order to really accomplish what you want to get done. All of these things that are talked about here can be divided into activities that I do daily, weekly, or monthly. Um, and the, I, some of these, I, I love to establish a spiritual practice, ideally daily. Did you catch that? Uh, gratitude, we've talked a lot about that as far as setting a gratitude streak. Getting into the flow. This is a really good one because when I start on my streaks, one of the things that can happen is I get into the flow of what is, because it's important to me, I get into the flow of it and time literally does disappear. And I get enveloped in the work or the passion that I'm doing right there, whether it be with my children, be in writing or speaking in the podcast right here, any of those things. It's really awesome. As you look at this overall, and again, a great big thanks to Greg. If you want to follow him on LinkedIn, please do so. I'll put his link in the show notes. He has just such great insight here. And what you can do is take his insight and start streaking. Any one of these things. And by the way, if you're new to streaking, start small. And what I mean by that is start with one or two streaks. We've gotten a little bit of pushback as to in the app itself, we put in a paywall at three streaks and a lot of people are like, whoa, that's an expensive, that's expensive, you know, and have any number of reasons as to why. I'll tell you exactly why we put it in there. It's to slow down and be deliberate and to say to yourself, let's start with one or two streaks and get the consecutive muscle going so that I can operationalize what Greg is talking about. Since I started streaking and I talked many others, I have not had the disappointment of success. I have set very few goals because I'm accomplishing so much in the moment. I am enjoying the journey. And this is new for me. Believe me, I am a goal-oriented, ambitious person. Someone who has wanted to achieve all kinds of great things. And I'm having the most satisfaction I've ever had in my life through the daily streaks that I do. If you want to follow me, you can look at all my streaks are public. You can go to my profile, look at the streaks that I have. Every single one of them are deliberate actions that I take daily, weekly, or monthly. I enjoy hearing from your experiences as well. Believe me when I say, once you develop your consecutive muscle, everything, everything comes into focus. And now you have a framework by which you can implement so many other things that will be meaningful in your life. Well, hopefully you've enjoyed the conversation today. Again, a great big thanks to Greg Vanarek, who we will have on the podcast in about a month. I'm looking forward to talking with him about this article and the many other things that he does. I mean, just a fantastic individual. Go ahead and look him up on LinkedIn, and I'm sure that if you wanted some coaching in life, he would be a great one to turn to. 
If you want to learn more about streaking and how to set up streaks, the book is sold at Barnes & Noble, at Amazon, or anywhere books are sold. Also, you can learn how to streak through downloading the streaking app. See, and again, we give everything in the streaking app to you to be able to set up successful streaks. The only thing we do as far as putting in a paywall is to slow you down a little bit, to look at your streaks, and to wait before you really go into it wholeheartedly. You can also invite friends uh, along with you in the streaking app. You can set up streaking groups. That's another thing we'll talk about next time is activity-based groups and how critical those are to success. Thanks again for listening. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Until we talk again, keep streaking.